From the backwoods and the swamp waters of the Sunshine State and all across America and the world, this is the Big and Wild Outdoors with your host, Braden Gunn, Jonathan Swindle, and Bill George. Hour number two of the Big and Wild Outdoors. Thank you so much for coming in and getting up and getting out here and hanging out with us. You must be one of the unlucky ones who's not in a tree stand or out fishing today. You know, so Zone C's opened up, which is a mighty big zone in the state of Florida. So, uh, as I pointed out in the first hour, we probably, well, now somebody woke up, so we probably have at least four listeners now here on the show. A few. That are not out in the woods, but... yeah. It's uh, it's it's a large area. I think Zone C is the uh, biggest of. Even if you put A and D together, it would probably be bigger than both of those put together. It is massively huge, and uh, Zone B. Uh, I wanted to point out in the middle part of the state. <clears throat> I know some areas of Zone C, but up to Zone B. So just make sure you know where you're standing when you uh, pull back the uh, string. Let her rip. Let a rip, chip. So you know, be be aware of where you're standing when you do. I shot it. him over here. He made it over there. Well, if that happens, then uh, make the right phone call and do what you got to do. You know, I mean, I'd hate to see you get in trouble for dragging out a deer out of Zone B that you shot over in Zone C. I wouldn't worry about it. <clears throat> I know you wouldn't, but there are a lot of people who would. They, you they, know? They're, they're are smarter. you suggesting that they're? might not be as much enforcement in the woods right now with well there's not as much enforcement maybe they're they're, they're out there Bless they're working hearts. it but um while they turn around and don't want to have uh, a lot of public contact i i would venture that they are completely adequate in coming to the conclusion that if you shot it over there they're going to be able to tell that you shot it over there and that the deer ran, I they they can figure that out. I certainly hope they would be but, able to. I mean, but uh, Jonathan, I got a question. You oh no. you're out in the woods a, f- a little bit here and there. Here and there. <laughs> when you turn around, obviously in archery season, you're gonna have your bow, your broadheads, and that. In gun season, you take your gun out there. But what's the one other thing that you would not want to be without when you go out hunting in Florida? Uh, like that I take with me when yeah. I, um, thermosel, uh, flashlight. Uh, are we no, what's that? the one thing, the first thing that you would want to make sure that you always have? You can live without a thermosel, but just not very comfortably. Uh, I don't know where this is leading. I'm just trying to badger the witness. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of like. For me, it, well, I, my first thought was the thermosel also. Because <laughs> without it, I, I'm not comfortable. That's a long, there's a lot. See, the thing about it is, and God love them, and I think about my grandfather when people ask me that question, with two daughters and a wife that hunt now, there's a lot. When people ask me that question, there's a lot, there's a big list that goes with that because, not only is Jonathan ha- mule. <laughs> yeah, not only is Jonathan having to make sure he's got everything, uh, he's got to make sure that everybody else has everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're the pack mule now. You know, up in up in Pennsylvania, uh, a little bit different than here. 
yeah. a compass. You you turn around and, and it's amazing that no matter how much you think you know the woods, especially if you're hunting big timber, you know, a compass, yes. it, it may not get you back to the exact spot that you're looking to get back to, but by gosh sakes, you can find that road or or figure out, you know, no, knowing, get out. Knowing where north and south and all that is is a... Yeah, that can be a very important in thing. In Florida, it's pretty easy. I mean, uh, if you know where the sun is, if you can see the sun, you can pretty much go Florida, east and west. I, it's pretty easy. I, I, I beg to differ in Florida. What do you mean GPS to is, is, for me, is, is critical because in Florida, I wear it on my you wrist. cannot just take a compass reading and go anywhere in the state of Florida. You will hit a swamp. You will hit something well, that's true. that is the most nastiest place that you do not want to venture through. You know, but if you know what's over there, that's why it's so uh, important to prep before you go. I mean, look, I mean, nowadays on your phone, you can Google Earth it and everything else and get your location and where you're standing and look, kind of look. And if you train yourself to know what swamp looks like from an aerial photograph, uh, you know, with the gray, you know, trees, because it's, you know, not every swamp is created equal. Well, that is true. (laughs) And I mean, you do have areas like uh, like the area where you and my son went and shot that hog. You know, you got that little low area right there where some years that's it's dry and nice and everything else. And well, uh, in certain areas, it's under three feet of water. You you make a good point. It's like I said to Bill, I wear mine. You know, that was my, this is my anniversary present for my wife, I think a year ago, was this Garmin watch. I love it because. Happy anniversary. I can push a button. There's a compass on here. There's an altimeter. There's all that. And like a GPS that tracks you. But um, I know like. she gave it to him. Well, yeah. (laughs) I know. Happy anniversary. Here's your tracker. Hey. Hey, she's got to take care of her meal ticket. Um, but, I mean, that's like you said, though, too. Like, uh, Hunt Stand is one of my favorite apps, and that's what I use. And that's the one thing that I like that they've done, too, is they've got a topo map now on there to where, like we were joking around about the pond and all that in the last segment, you can look at a piece of property like Bill saying and figure out where the swamps are and where all the other stuff is to kind of avoid or possibly make a path to get through i don't know i i'm I'm one of those guys i don't know if everybody does this i just you know assume that they do because i do it you know but if i'm looking at an area if a guy says um i I remember when we went up to uh uh, georgia when uh, steve and i went up to georgia to go hunting and all that stuff and i said well where are we going And, and the guy gave me the town and where we were going i mean you go and you zoom in and and call them up and say, where are we at? Well, you know, it's off Branch Road. It's on, you know, you turn right, you go down about a quarter mile. And you can, like, Google Earth it, look and see everything around there. So it not only gives you a mental picture of where to maybe possibly hunt, where there are natural fields out amongst the woods and things like that, or low areas or creeks, but it also, for me, it also gives me a sense of direction so that I have a mental map in my head and go, okay, I'm standing in front of the 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 natural field in the middle of the woods. I know where I am because that's north, because that's across, that's east, that's west. So I remember on the map, the road's back behind me, and there's another road that's like over here towards the, you know, the northwest or something. Sure. So you, you have a, a mental picture of where you're going to go. If you don't, if you just show up out at, uh, you know, to go hunt with Jonathan out in New Mexico and you don't know where you're really going to be, you know, for the most part, 
by all means, you should have some sort of directional material in your in your uh, backpack or wherever it is. I don't care if it's in your phone or if it's an old-fashioned compass or an, even an old, an old map, you know, at least. Uh, well, and there's going to be the thing that I tell people this, and I've learned this with me doing the outfitting and the other outfitters I've talked to. There's a lot of times, like you say, when we go to New Mexico, even with the property we're on is fenced. I mean, it's one guy's section of property, so it's basically if you walk this way or you walk this way or this way, you're going to run into a road or a fence. It's always something with me that I tell them, you know, if you get turned around, here's where we're going to go or here's where we're going to be or here, you know, there's there's one or two landmarks, and I use that property as an example, and I even try to do the same thing up there at the woods. There's one or two landmarks that no matter where you are on the property, you can see something or you could see, you know, there's big meadows, there's all stuff like that. And that's something that I think, too, is a good idea for people, like you said, learn, have have a landmark that if something happens, people are going to know where you're going to be. Well, fences for me are the worst because you can't see fence lines for a lot. Sometimes old fence lines and stuff you can't see from aerial topos or maps or anything like that. And when you're going a certain direction, you know that's where you're going to go. And then all of a sudden you run into a fence and you're like, Oh, crap. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is this on the property? Uh, is this I'm on the same property, or is it maybe not owned by the same guy? Uh, fences are the worst because now you're, for me personally, if there's a fence there and I know that I'm supposed to be over there to go to a pond or whatever or an area where I'm where I thought I was going to hunt, I'm not going to cross that fence. I would rather sit on this side of the fence and then check with whoever the property owner goes, you know, I ran into a fence headed over. Oh, yeah, that's just our cross fence, you know, so we cut it up into 20. You can go right through there. Learn that afterwards instead of once you get on the fence and you think you're still on Jonathan's property, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you know, Mr. Akers shows up and goes, where the hell do you think you're going, man? Hey, bud, come uh, here. Let me talk I, to you for I, a second. I'm, I'm, I'm hunting Jonathan's property. You ain't been on Jonathan's property for the last half hour. You better get to here, man. And then it turns into nasty, nasty. So, my bad. We come back. Speaking of thermostats, I'm going to tell you about a product that uh, is out there now that you may be interested in. Okay, maybe you may not. Maybe it is the Big and Wild Outdoors, brought to you by our good friends over at Brandon Ford. Your Ford truck dealership. You'll see him today. We'll be back. Have a good one. Again, right there. It's big and wild outdoors. Brendan Gunn, Jonathan Swindle, Bill George, Diego. He's on the phone trying to get somebody to call. Uh, you know, when you asked uh, Jonathan the question of what is it that you carry when you go out in the woods, I don't know if you were alluding to something else, but it's funny that you both, the first thing you thought of was thermosel, and the first thing I thought of was a knife. I always, no, that's uh, that's the thing is, the first thing I, I was thinking to myself, why? When did the knife not become 
one of the first things we think about. Well, but it's yeah. the first yeah. thing I think of. <laughs> no, it's not the first thing I think of because when I put my pants on in the morning, I have a knife. No, but I, I, I mean, usually, that's... if I'm going to be out in the woods, I usually carry multiple. It's not just, I mean, I got to make sure I have the bench made in the in a pocket where I can get to it. And I also have to make sure that I have uh, my buck, uh, my skin and my cleaning knife, you know, in my in my waist pouch. And then, of course, there may be a third knife that is along like a gut hook type one in there in case it, with a See, that's a little bit tougher. So and for me, a lot of times, depending on where I'm hunting, I don't worry about gutting my animal right there. So and that's to keep it cleaner getting it getting it out of the woods yeah and it's easier if i have a ability to hang it real quick and get it gutted it's easier to, for me to do that when it's hanging than it is on the ground so for me the knife has not been the most critical thing in the last little bit you're, well but that's what i'm crazy. saying man. but that's what i'm saying though is the knives that we normally the three of us normally carry are multiple function tools so well i i carry the one that i that i discovered years ago that, that I, one you've got in your pocket i know you could skin something with it you could yeah. do all kinds of stuff with it well so. i could i mean uh, but it, but that's my primary knife that i carry for everything yeah but the one that i make sure that i have with me in the woods it's a smaller version it's called the the buck cross lock i don't know if you've ever seen one of those but uh, I bought one years and years and years ago and loved it so much. And I made I, I got a chip in the edge of the gut hook portion of it, so I went and bought two more just in case. Mm -hmm. uh, and I how do you uh, chip the edge of a gut hook on a piece of bone? Because yeah, I had it so sharp, and I was going through and and got it in there, and it like knocked the do, chip. Do in you it. realize that you're not supposed to go through bone when you're gutting an animal i understand that but there's bones in the way sometimes you know and it he was excited no, i okay. don't understand that because there's no bones in the in the uh i was trying to go through oh, you the sternum area sternum. yeah i was trying to use the, it to rip the but it, because <laughs> the one good thing about the the cross lock blade is that it's it's a uh it's a liner lock and the blades open actually opposite of each other so you can Flip it over, close so there it. There is no flopping. Close it one-handed, and then flick the other blade open, which is your regular standard cutting blade, and then you can go through the skin, and then you can flip it over, t close that, and then flip it over and flip it one hand. Because you know when you're out there skinning a deer or gutting a deer in the woods, ninety percent of your work is done one-handed, and especially if you're wearing gloves or anything, or it's colder than you know what, and you can't feel your fingers. You know, for you to sit there and have to dig through a bag and go get your other knife or get the other gut hook or whatever it is, it's got a, a true saw black uh, saw back blade on one backside of it. I have that same knife, so you can go right. I'm mean, dude, it'll go right through a pelvis. I mean, like butter. It's just like <laughs> crack, boom, bang. It's done. I never go through a pelvis. There. What What do you mean you don't go through a pelvis? Never go through a pelvis. Why? Why go through a pelvis? Because that way you can cut it when you do the little anal cleaning. You can just take it all out in one it, piece and it, drop it all out it in all one slot. Out, it all comes out anyways. Uh, yeah, but then you have it, to lift it through. You, yeah. uh, dude, I've seen you skin a hog. Don't let sit here and tell me what you do. I know I've you, seen you do it. You just pull it right on back down through. You're done. You don't pull it back down through. This way you don't have to. That way you cut through and it lifts right out. And it's there's you know bladder. Everything's all come out in one big giant hole. I will say this. 
we we have all skinned a lot of animals. I was a uh, there's a show that I've watched a few times uh, here lately, and it's the Farming for Wildlife show. I was very very impressed with his uh like you said skinning stuff by yourself. He's overseas, obviously, in and he hunts Europe and everything else, and runs restaurants, and they allow them obviously over there to use wild game in the restaurants. And so this guy is out not only harvesting it for sport, but he's out harvesting it for his restaurants. And he did a fallow deer all by himself, literally five minutes. I mean, very, and feel, and I'm talking, I'm not talking the full skinning process. I'm just talking the field dressing process of it. And yeah, it was he was pretty good. The first one that I bought on the uh, Buck Cross Lock, the reason I bought it was because it was a good idea, it was the uh, camo one. I bought uh, a, a camo blade. It's a skeletonized handle. It's very lightweight. It's easy to use. Aluminum. Aluminum. I mean, you can coat that thing in blood from top to bottom, and it doesn't slip in your hand. It's really good. The problem is, is if you lay it down in the Missouri Fall Woods and there's blood and stuff everywhere else, now you spend it blends the, in. Then you spend the next ten minutes looking around. Where's my knife? Because I put it down somewhere like over here. I thought I had it right here, but now it's a. So I went back and I bought. The, Nobody uh, move. I went back as every hunter should do and bought the fluorescent orange one, because, and then I bought the black one because. And I needless to say, that. the camo one got a meta can of spray paint or something. Well, somewhere. the camo one was one that I eventually got the chip in it, and dude, I, it's just. If you don't own one, you should have one because it's very. It's only about that big closed. You're not even looking. Why are you rubbing your eyes? It's that big, closed, and uh, it's like that. And you can operate everything one-handed. So it's a it's a good little tool. Yeah. And and that one right there is the one that stays religiously in my my uh, deer hunting pouch, my hip bag. So that one I never go anywhere without. So that's the big one that your I your backpack. And it's gone through quite a few Missouri little uh, whitetails, I will tell you that. Yeah. Like, uh, and the thing I really love about it, that freaking saw blade. That thing really, it zippity doodahs right through bone like S- nothing. See, I don't, I do not cut through a bone anymore. Well, because you're afraid of the no, CWD? It, no, it's just, anytime you go to deal with it after that, you got a sharp piece of bone Poking your Ziploc bag, poking your garbage bag, poking what? this. What? Everything to me, when I take the meat off of it, I'm removing that whole hip bone from the animal anyways. Right. So there's no reason for me to even cut through it. Even if something were to stay in there, it's but, all it's all going in the garbage. If I cut bone, it's I'm like, like Bill. If I cut bone, it's either scapula, the whole shoulder's coming off, or the ball joint's getting disconnected. Yeah, and, and it's right at a joint. <laughs> and I'm I done. Always, you know, I mean, everybody says joint. The only one that I do is is usually through the pelvis bone. So yeah. you know, to, that's because you're there. old school. Well, it's whatever you call no, it. No, that's what we were taught. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know guys hatch used it, hatch it, hatch it, it, or you know. people would carry a piece of hacksaw, you know, and yeah. uh, in there, and you know, and, and that that's the way we were taught, and you know, there's but nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with it. Ring around the rosy. But I think we, I think I would use that blade more like to the, cut a little limb what? that's sticking <laughs> me in the back than I would, hey. you know. The pelvis. Well, you could use that too, and they can call it. it They can call it the medieval toilet bowl cleaner or whatever they want to. But that's like that whole thing with the butt out and everything else that HS came up with. 
that's one of the easiest I don't care what anybody says. That's one of the easiest ways for that area of cleaning a deer or hog or anything else. Probably one of the best tools I've ever it's seen. It's pretty medieval. But, you know, so is the ripper and all these other things. Well, that, you know, they developed to cut through sternum. The, and The only and thing that, that I could give somebody some warning on is that Wyoming knife. That Wyoming knife, it has this really nice hook blade on it and that. But that that little thing that's right where your thumb is, that if that plastic sheath comes off of, mm-hmm. I've watched more than one person oh. get one of those things and end up slicing. Because it's a thumb. razor blade, they use a razor blade in yes. those things, and yeah. they end yeah. up slicing their thumb wide open. Ah, nothing worse than when you nick yourself and you're in right in the middle. Th- of cleaning. These weren't nicks, but yeah. Um, well, I would like to call it a nick yeah but it's but uh that that there i would uh recommend people uh treat carefully the rest of them you you tend to know the sharp edge is this way that has one going every which way yeah well if you're looking for one um i would i on my own recommendation i do like to buck across lock and then uh i think the other one i carry is a gerber gut hook one it's a longer one it's about a six inch blade which I really like that one for. I don't use the cross lock for hogs because they get so dang greasy, and you need a little Loppers. bit more blade. Yeah, you need a little more blade area and a, and a longer little tail on that uh, on that gut hook if you're going to be getting down through all that fat and stuff. But the cross lock on a deer, shoop, like taking a t-shirt off of a teenager, easy because they're both skinny. Get it? <laughs> I'm not going there. All right, we're going to take a break. We're on the Big and Wild Outdoors. We're brought to you by Brandon Ford. If you want to call, complain, comment, whatever you want to do, 888-404-1010. We give it to you because we love you. 888-404-1010. We'll be back. go it's the big and wild outdoors bring gun bill george jonathan swindle is chair wrestling in the hallway did you, did you find one there sweetheart it's gonna be uh, to your liking there jonathan got the slow sinker chair and it's been driving him uh, bonkers all day today it's the one where you started like three feet off the ground and then all of a sudden uh you know he starts singing the lollipop guild from down off the floor i look like what was it who what was the comedian that had the uh doif Durf or Doink or whatever's Tim Conway, the little short dude with the Tim feet. Conway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Tim Conway. That's what I'm saying. What Dorf, was the name Dorf, of the Dorf. Dorf. Thank you, Dorf. There you go. So my lollipop guild uh, joke went to... right out the door. Nobody even got that. Yes. No. We know about the lollipop guild. Munchkins. You know, you went down. To the we everything. You know, when you have to explain guild, the joke, the lollipop guild. <sighs> when you have to explain the joke, it's not that good. No. Uh, what it was is it's not that good when he turns around doesn't even. Acknowledge it. <laughs> and he knew it. <laughs> no, I know. They... <laughs> so. Ah, anyway. I, well, I, you know, for what? me, I wanted to talk a little bit about the up to upcoming FWC meeting. Oh, we have no. Coming. Are you going to talk about that now? Why not? Big sugar, all you people, I hope you're listening. Oh, gosh. 
Yeah. Don't drag him into this. If you turn around and you go to myfwc.com, okay, down there on the bottom bottom of the page. Nightmare. There's a there's an option for commission meetings. And if you go there, our next commission meeting is in October. It's at the beginning of October. Uh, let's see here. I want to say seventh uh, and eighth, October seventh and eighth. Now I'll be trick or treating by then, so I'll be too busy. Now this is going to be another <laughs> virtual meeting, which means they're going to hold it online. Which is going to be probably the norm for at least another year with the whole C nineteen crud going no, on. Th- I think they were really hoping to have. You got to understand the vast majority of things. If they do not put a topic on there, such as a bear hunt or something else, it's it's absolutely pitiful the number of people that 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 show that up. That is something I've been told okay. by several people. Yeah. So this way, it's supposed to make it easier because it's live. It's on. It's in person. It's a live linky type of thing. And uh, on this meeting, if I'm uh, wrong, correct me. Uh, you can actually call in. Uh, you, you can talk. You, you can call in at the, after each topic that that there's public comments for. You could call in and, and comment on that. Um, and then on the second day, there will be a three-hour period that as long as there's people on the line, there will be able to, you can call in during that window of opportunity and talk about anything that's not on the agenda. So for all you people who are out there that keep telling me, hey, I keep catching all these trout and they can't keep them and I keep catching all these redfish and I can't keep them, it's your opportunity to call up and let the commission know, hey, this is not a species that's hurt by that red tide. and we Give should, them an earful. We should be long been able to turn around and do it. In addition to that, you know, all you people who complain about being broke off by Goliath grouper on these wrecks and everything else, it's your time to call in and say, hey, let's put this a little bit on the faster track. You know, um, we, we have those issues that we have, but... Most people say, oh, I can't take a day off of work, and I can't do this, and I can't do that. Well, Well, here is one more opportunity where all it is is to turn around and kind of be paying attention. You can listen to it online via the Florida Channel, and and they also have uh, a feed that comes out from the FWC. Um, You know, you can call in. You can make your comments. You know, flounder fishery, you don't want additional restrictions. Turn around, your opportunity to call in, and you know, take advantage of it is what you're saying. Yeah, let you your be voices be known because I. What will time tell are they going to start this things? I might have missed it if you said it. Um, what time do they fire on, those bad boys up? On on Wednesday, October seventh, it's going to start at nine a.m. Nine o'clock in the people are still at work. Well, Why yes. don't they do it at 7 p.m. at night? And then on Thursday, October 8th, 9 a.m. again. What the heck, man? That's just not a convenient time. I'm sorry. I know it sounds like you're making excuses, but it's like, excuse me, boss, I need to go make a phone call. Uh, you know, I need to go watch something online on the, in the break room on my uh, computer. Well, but dude, on that's that not Thursday, on that Thursday, they're anticipating public comments to be just after lunchtime. Okay. Yeah, and the comments are going to be. I wish I could say something about this. If you would only, I only have a half hour for lunch. But take if you can take a late lunch, you know, turn why around. Why don't they do these things uh, in the evening? 
when people are at home and after dinner's been served and the kids are kind of settled down and playing I, a little, uh, you know, Rainbow Six Siege. Listen, and you can I, I'll watch be honest with you. I really don't think it make much of a difference. You don't? You don't? I really don't. I really don't. The people who are committed are there. Your guides and those charter captains, they're committed. Their livelihoods depend on it. The average fisherman is not going to make that trip well, at, at 5 p.m. any more than he's going to make it at 9 a.m. He's not going to give up a day of fishing or a day of hunting or a day of work to turn around and fight for what they truly. I don't know. I think uh, there's a reason why they call it prime time. Okay, there's the reason why because people are home. That's when you want to have your best work on there. And if you hit them an hour before prime time, I mean, even if you look at social media postings, uh, you know, 7 o'clock is when most people check all that stuff and they fart around with it and, and play with it for an hour before, uh, you know, uh, whatever comes on at 8 o'clock on television that they want to see. So I would – dude, when we when we had the, when they had the commission meeting over here at, at That Bill wasn't Jackson's, a commission meeting. That was, was a workshop. Whatever it was. It was but a workshop. It, but it was in the late afternoon, wasn't it? Yes, because there – It was in the evening, wasn't there it? There they turned around and they're catering more towards getting that group of people to have some free time to come participate. After work, all the people showed up and they had a really mm-hmm. good showing of people in there. Well, listen, I'm, I, I'm tickled pink that we have the opportunity – to do the public comment and interact with our commissioners. I am very thankful for that because I have seen public comments sway the rules and regulations within this state. And I have seen the commissioners side with the public instead of what staff want to do at times. Sure. That it's a beautiful system we have, but it's underutilized. In addition to that, we can all send comments in, and if you go to that same page, there's an opportunity to send comments in in addition to turning around and um, speaking at that time. Look at the topics that are out there. If there's something you care about, start taking the time to send the email. Yeah, you may not be able to get there. You may not be able to take your, your time off of your work to make that phone call. I'm lucky enough, I, you know, normally I'm driving there. Now I can work and I kind of keep it in my ear at the same time. I'm, I'm doing that. And when I need to jump on the phone, I just, you know, kind of clock out, jump out, get on the phone for a little bit. And then come back can, to work. I can see all the commissioners sitting there on the Zoom meeting. All of a sudden you have the bat phone start ringing and it's the, oh, wait. <laughs> well, I, This know, is the Bill George line. We must have said something. Now, yeah. instead of trying to do it where, you know, they do the whole, uh, <clears throat> you know, login, you know, it's a 9,000 word uh, login type thing and an address and all that kind of thing like that. Why How many would, lights are in the picture are you bought? Why wouldn't they do uh, like a Facebook live thing, which seems to be extremely popular? Why couldn't they do it on their MyFWC Facebook page or the Hunt Florida? You know, they could stream them both at the same time on two different platforms and take the comments immediately right then and there and then go back because those comments don't go away. And they also, I think, open up a better form of discussion because they can go back and say, yeah, adding to what Bill said, you know, you know, he mentioned this, and I know that he mentioned the triple tails, but uh, back piggybacking on what Bill said, why won't you open up the same thing or let's and, talk about Goliath Grouper? And that happens, that happens in an interactive commission. Um, the nice thing about a but a, if you did it online on their Facebook page, then you, can you do have it a million. Then you, you have to. a million people from 
from anywhere from Europe to to California turning around during the entire feed of the yeah. commission saying don't hunt my bears don't kill bambi don't do the it, it's that's all it turns into have you looked at what gets posted to fwc's page every time they turn around and post something up? oh yeah i mean they're gonna they always get their butts handed to them okay so but now is when there you're trying to do business and this is this is the business of having to pass rules and regulations and this and that that's not the time for having anybody willy-nilly the entire time go out there and and try and interject their opinions into it there's an order to it this is a it, it follows the the you know robert's rule of meetings or whatever it is where people you you present something there's discussion then there's a vote there's a nominate you know uh Somebody makes a motion, a second, you vote on that. If there's an amendment to the motion, there's there's all these rules and regulations of how that business has to be conducted. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that on a Facebook feed all the time. Yeah, well, but how many times have you seen on a Facebook, like you said, good point, how many times on a Facebook Live have you watched it and it's a bunch of jackwangs on there just making comments for the sake of making a comment? Yeah, and, and so the thing is, there's it's coming up. You have plenty of time. Go out there, take a look at what's on the agenda, and try and try and take a few moments out of your day to either send an email or give them a call in. Well, so far, according to the FWC's Facebook page, 53 are going and 172 are interested. <laughs> That's what it says. They got their commission meeting coming up. October 7th, 9 a.m. Go look at the 53 and tell me what their profiles look like. All right, I will. All right, we're going to take a break. Nice. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors, brought to you by Brandon Ford. Stay right there. We're going to go uh, do something, and we'll come right back. Okay? All right, be, be right back. I can't wait to meet you there. I don't Coming to town pretty soon. Did he come in this year? He was. Sure. Still amazes my children. We used to watch him when he did his road show with us. He's like, and then you watch his concert and they're like, how does he do that? <laughs> how does he be like that one way and then when you put him on stage, he sings and plays. Chemicals. I, I, I thought it was, uh, no, he doesn't do that anymore. Come on, man. <laughs> doesn't do that. This is a segment I like to call Ask Diego. Hey, Diego. Here, Ozzy, drink this. Is Ozzy Osbourne still coming into town um, uh, this year? I thought he was coming uh, 2021. It's supposed to be a big show over there at the uh, at the Amp. I thought maybe he was going to be this over year, there. I, I know they canceled a bunch of what? shows. This year he's bunch. coming, 2021. This year coming. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This year coming, 2021. Well, coming next year. This year coming, 2021. That's what I said. <laughs> it's coming up, isn't it? Um, happy, yeah. Happy, happy. Unfortunately. Uh, talking to Bill George before the break, of course, gave us all a headache, so it's all good. But uh, save the date. Uh, uh, again, to remind you, make sure Bill's happy. You can watch the upcoming commission meeting online using Adobe Connect. 
or on the Florida Channel, October 7th and 8th, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Each day, if you'd like to comment, you're more than welcome to. The deadline to provide a comment-by-comment form on our website or U.S. Mail by Friday, October 2nd. Use the info below to send in your feedback on any agenda topic. And if you would like to comment about agenda items during the meeting, use the conference call number that will be shown on the screen. And they will post a video link just before the meeting agenda and you can comment uh, from there as well. And uh, you can send it strictly if you'd like to now. You could send in your comment by mail. That's right, U.S. mail. Uh, you can send it up there to uh, up there to Chalahashie up there and get them up there. And uh, when they click on the link at the bottom, it just gives you another page and tells you when it's going to be broadcasting and all that other stuff like yeah. that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, the bottom line is you have the right to participate now who does not take the time to vote shall not complain. Burn down the phone lines. That is true. I will say that uh, I am one of those advocates that if you do not vote, then you do not have uh, very much to talk about. And that's why I... That goes I really, for the upcoming election and everything. That really does frost me high areas over there where when Bill George throws out the word stakeholder uh, because... You know, just because you come down here and swim around and pay some guy to show you a Goliath grouper, which may not be a Goliath grouper, hey. uh, you know, then uh, your voice can be heard at the meeting and go, they should not hurt those little fishes down there. I saw them when I was down there 10 years ago with my sister-in-law, and they were pretty, and they're nice, and then leave them alone. You want, you want a Goliath grouper story? Is it one that ends with a young man not being arrested? No. For catching one and no, taking a picture? No, no, no. Oh. This, this is, I, I heard that there was a meeting in which there was a number of biologists involved in and some other parts of the agency and the biologists were making some comments about Goliath Grouper and other people in the agency were telling them they were full of you know what. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, just in case you <laughs> want to know what's on the uh, items that requires action during the upcoming meeting. Uh, the final ruling on the Appalachia Bay Oysters, uh, I guess they're going to be talking about that, approving the draft rule to suspend Oop. harvest of the wild oysters and prohibit the on-the-water uh, possession of tongs and by proactively implementing these measures by executive order. So, uh, you know, for if you like your Appalachia Cola oysters, maybe uh, you might want to have your two cents put the, in on that one. There really hasn't been much. They have allowed that fishery to get completely devastated. Here we have closures for redfish, trout, and snook when we have well above uh, management goals for all those species. But yet there they allowed it to go completely down the to the non-sustainable route before they took action. Now... They've already passed this via executive order, so it's just getting the rules in place, you know. So it's going to basically put the oyster business out of business. You're, you're, for there a while. Not be, there's not an Apalachicola oyster business right now, anyways, because of how bad it is. It, it is, it is bad, and they uh, beat the crud out of them. I know that, but you know, growing up around here when I was a kid on Riviera Bay, there used to be oyster beds. There were actually signs out there, you know that. That had the 
plot number of each oyster bed that was around Whedon Island. And, of course, with the construction and the housing and the runoff and all the other stuff like that, the oyster beds are now under about two feet of sand, so they're they're no more. But they used to be... They and used to be big and delicious and right there, and, and lots of big redfish on them. But. And that's and that's part of what they're going to be looking at is a restoration. Where do we need to be targeting to restore oysters? The part that concerns me is up there there's leased land where people have leased the uh, sovereign submerged lands. Mm-hmm. And so they actually are are growing oysters there that they're allowed to continue to harvest but they may be in the best part of the bay, you know, and they may be the best, you know, getting all the benefits or have the best area. And the, the fishermen may be SOL because their parts of the bay may not have all the freshwater flow that it needs to. Because that's part of the issue is, you yeah. know, the flow flow of water they out need of a, they there. need a certain amount of uh fresh water and salinity mixed really together and, and so part of me says okay hey you know wh- with that you know how much is that sovereign submerged lands going to be continued to be commercial just for some instead of open to the public uh second on the uh agenda the draft rule for flounder not here on the West Coast, but over on the uh, no, no, it's Atlantic coast. coast. It says here, it says, uh, the stock status update completed by FWC's Fish and Wildlife Research has found that the flounder fishery on the Atlantic coast of Florida is likely overfished and undergoing overfishing, and that there has been a general decline in the fishery statewide. So, oh, so now they're going to, because of the stock assessment over there, mm-hmm. they're going to ding you over here. Yeah, sure. Why not? Because other states are seeing it. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. No, no. Other states are seeing a decline, and so we got to put restrictions in. I didn't know they were migratory. In. I didn't know yeah. that. Oh, they, no, no, no. no. See how little you understand? I'm sorry. I, I didn't know that there were packs there's, of flounder. There's flounder. an opportunity to restrict your harvest. Right. Oh, I got you. Oh, wait. You mean there's an opportunity for government to step in and restrict your rights to stuff that you... If, if it wasn't so bad with the trout and redfish, the, the whole thing is when they turn around and they did all this, there's, there's, there's management goals for each species, and they do stock assessments, and it's where, where you are within that stock assessment. And the whole time they were passing this rule and draft, not one time, not once, did they bring up where they are with their stock assessment versus their management goals. Now, okay. uh, that's, um, yeah, they won't do it regionally. They, they keep that, no, they keep that hidden, okay? They keep that whole stock assessment hidden when they don't want you to see it, and it's doing good. It, they did the same thing with the trout and redfish stuff. They kind of hid that, and then um, then they turn around, and when they, they do have an issue and they can show it in that data, then they show you that, that data. But when it's <clears> really not that bad, they don't show you that that stuff. Oh yeah, we we're we're doing good. We're not doing good. We we, but we can't give Shut you. Shut her number. down, man. We uh, can't give you the number. The other one uh, that uh, will affect a lot of people, uh, whether where you are anywhere, uh, federal consistency. The Atlantic reef fish hook requirements. So the South Atlantic Fishery Council Management Council recently modified hook requirements for Atlantic reef fish in federal waters. 
as part of an effort to increase survivorship of released fish and promote best fishing practices. So to be consistent, staff proposes an approval of the federal consistency action that would implement the same hook requirements for those harvesting reef fish on board a vessel in Atlantic state waters. This proposed rule would require the use of, everybody listen up now, non-stainless steel, non-offset circle hooks north of 28 degrees north latitude that require the use of non-stainless steel hooks south of 28 degrees north latitude. Staff would also present... What? Presents uh, current outreach and education efforts to encourage best fishing practices but, for reef fish, including the voluntary use of descending devices. Okay. Now, if you turn around and we're going to pass a rule on hooks and what type of hooks you can use, why do you have to worry about north or south? If this is the hook that saves our fisheries and, and makes it so the least amount of damage is done to a fish... Why does it matter whether or not you're north or south of a particular boundary line? Teacher, Teacher. Go ahead. You, you'll yeah, be called I'm, in a moment. <laughs> but make it the same. Explode. Make it the same. If this is if this is our best fishery, uh, you know, best fishing practices. It doesn't. It isn't best north or south of a line. If this is the best, make it one rule for the whole whole thing. Yes, sir. Go. Now that your time's up, I got to take my medicine. Okay. <laughs> well, while you're doping up, we'll go ahead and take a break. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors. Uh, top of the hour, we'll carry this over into hour number three. Stay right there. We are brought to you by our good friends over there at Brandon Ford. Great folks, great deals, great products, all in one place. Brandon Ford. We are the Big and Wild. Take a break. We'll be back. <laughs> 